Welcome back to another episode of Bird Bros. I'm Ron Brown here. We're about to kick off. This is the second season of Bird Bros. We've been doing it for about a year. Looking back to September 9th, 2015 was our first episode, and we're back. Tonight is just me and AD holding it down, but we're going to preview the season a little bit, talk about the week one matchup against the Tampa Bay Bucks, 53-man roster, look at some uh, key pointers, for the season and just go from there. But first off, how you doing tonight, AD? Oh, man, I'm good. Glad to be back, ready to go. You know, got this Thursday night game on, watching our divisional opponent, you know, about to take a lead in the halftime, but ready to get going on Sunday. For sure, for sure. You know, it was a a decent a decent preseason. We talked about the preseason about a month ago, and, and hey, what can we glean from it? We saw some, some good some – good, guys in the preseason who made the team, some who didn't, but you actually paid attention a little bit closer to the preseason than I did. What what did you take away? And I guess what can we carry over heading into week one and through week 17, actually? I think it depends on how you look at it. You know, I think from an offensive standpoint, unfortunately, none of the questions really seem to be answered, you know, from what we see right now, Matt Ryan is still a big question mark for this season. He didn't seem to really improve. Um, it looked about the same as what we've been seeing going into it. So I think those concerns still remain, unfortunately. I don't think we saw anything. You know, we saw enough of improvement to, to feel better about where we're at with the quarterback. Um, I think the offensive line generally was better. You know, um, they definitely had some time where they ran the ball, um, ran the ball well late, even when it wasn't necessarily the starter. So I feel good about the offensive line and what they've done there. Um, you know, defensively, I rated incomplete. They showed flashes. I think some of the pieces that they had looked great, especially – I shouldn't say great, but looked really good, especially the younger linebackers. Um, but at the same time, they never seemed to have the whole complement out there. Freeney didn't – you know, never had a situation where you had Freeney on one side, really, um, with with Vic and all these other different things. Um, and then, of course, um, you know, from a defensive back standpoint, um, no more draft pick goes down with Hill. So the defense is incomplete. Um, you know, special teams are usually pretty solid, so I'm not overly concerned there. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll talk about this with some of the changes they made with the roster, how the return game looks. But um, So defense kind of incomplete, but I think it's trending the right way. Offense still pretty concerned about uh, the quarterback. Yeah, definitely not the concern you want to have going into a season where many Falcons fans feel, you know, this year and then maybe 20 – 17 could be make or break when it comes to Matt Ryan's future. I'm all optimistic. I want him to do well, but we'll, we'll definitely see. You kind of te- tease uh, the uh, the roster moves and the way the 53-man roster shook out. And and I guess we'll take a, a quick look at, at some of the the main moves. And we saw the Falcons. I guess we'll look at tight end first. I know we discussed that in our last podcast. And, you know, I thought LeVon Toilolo would, would not make it, but – he uh, actually caught on, and also Joshua Perkins, an undrafted free agent from uh, University of Washington, stayed on. Uh, offensively, Nick Williams, uh, he was released, put him on the practice squad. Also, DJ McKissick, another guy who was – J.D. McKissick, excuse me, was another guy who signed on a wide receiver onto the practice squad. Uh, who else was – some other names. Any other guys pop out to you that, that made it or didn't make it? Because for the most, most part, there weren't too many – Surprises, I guess. Yeah, not a lot of surprises. I think, you know, 
I still feel like Brandon Wiles would have made a lot of sense on this team, but he was obviously injured. You know, they got an injury settlement with him, which I don't, you know, I don't think they really released the full extent of how bad it was or wasn't. Um, if they, and, you know, if it was injury settlement, he probably wasn't looking to be back or be available anytime soon, which probably makes sense there. Um, I think the biggest surprise for everybody was McKissick, you know, uh, from a return standpoint. Um, obviously, you know, was very exciting in the return game. Um, you know, initially, I think everybody was wondering what was going on keeping, um, you know, cutting him initially and keeping uh, Nick Williams. Um, but then, of course, they made the, the move down the line to, to move uh, Williams out for Taylor Gabriel. So mm-hmm. I kind of I, I still don't get the rationale of why they didn't keep McKissick initially. Unless they just had an inkling that um, Gabriel was going to be out there either way, which I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to that. Um, but the rest of it seemed pretty standard, really no surprises. But again, um, you know, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened with Brandon Wiles just because he was a different type of running back than the ones we have now. Um, but, you know, it looks like the injury kind of forced their hand on that one. Right, yeah, injuries definitely have kind of shaped the roster. Kind of talked about Keanu Neal going down with the injury. We brought on Deshaun Goldson, who you know, had some good years with the 49ers, played with uh, – was it, was it Tampa Bay last year or was it Washington last was, year? I believe it was Washington last year. Washington last year. So a guy that, uh, you know, most fans in the NFC are familiar with, a uh, big hitter, kind of iffy in coverage, but, you know, a veteran guy nonetheless who can provide some depth back there. Uh, as Kamal Ishmael will be taking over Neil's spot. Another guy, I mean, you also mentioned the linebackers. Currently as the – Depth chart stands. Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell uh, will be starting linebackers. How does that make you feel uh, with you know Warlow and Weatherspoon backing them up? Two guys that you know we're familiar with, but you got these two rookies who were were pretty highly regarded uh, when we drafted them. They're speedy. They kind of address the issues that that Dimitrov and and Quinn and company kind of talked about before the draft. You kind of, are you encouraged by having those two guys there, or is it kind of wait yeah, and see? No, I, they were probably like when you talk about. And I know I gave the defensive incomplete, but they were probably to me the best part of the preseason from a defensive standpoint. You know, for all the talking points and fast physical and all these other different things that they throw around, that's what they drafted for, like you mentioned, and those guys seem to stand out. I mean, Campbell was all you know. Every Campbell was everything with what you can see from preseason that everybody said he was, um, you know, he's long, he's rangy. He was out there covering in the slot, just doing a lot of different things. Um, his, his length really, pro, you know, provides a problem. Um, whether he's covering tight ends down the field to some degree, running backs down the field to some degree. Um, and then in more of a short situation with slot receivers because his arms are so long um, and makes some of those windows inside really tight. Um, as far as Jones, um, he, you know, I did see him miss a couple of tackles, especially that first game that he started, um, and that was kind of the knockout knock on him coming out of LSU. But again, those tackles were happening at and towards the line of scrimmage, and not three or four yards downfield, which is what we're always concerned with. So, you know, I'm excited to see those two. I think they're going to be, you know, if this defense is going to improve uh, from kind of middle of the pack, which us up, it, you know, could be the difference between two or three different wins. Uh, so I was really encouraged by what I saw from them. And, you know, I, I don't have a problem with uh, – I don't have a biggest problem with Warlow. Um, and then I was questioning bringing Spoon back from – but from what I generally saw, um, 
during the preseason. I think it was it seems like it was a good move. Um, he seems to be somewhat energized. Probably helps that he's not going to play a lot of snaps from an injury standpoint. Um, and I think he can, you know, really be a help from a veteran standpoint. Uh, so, you know, linebacker's kind of trending up for me. Yeah, I, it's just always good to go too deep at, at most positions. And when you got guys who are battle-tested and a lot of dissension <laughs> with Falcons fans when it comes to Warlow, is he good? <laughs> is he just more – should be should he be a backup? But when you got a guy who, you know, has played a lot of games in his uh, short career, then I can't be mad at, at having guys back there. I mean, I was also worried about the, the, the cornerback and defensive back depth. We're pretty young back there. You know, this is a big, big year for Desmond Trufant to show, you know, is he an elite cornerback? Should he be up there, you know, with the Josh Normans, uh, at least in a pay pay uh, grade? I guess from my standpoint, I'm really trying to see, you know, what's the DBs looking like? Because that's going to be important. And also, I guess most importantly is the pass rush, which is which was anemic last year. And you know, I've seen you guys talking a lot about Vic Beasley. And is he ready? from a strength standpoint and, and a lot of different technique wise is a uh, Vic ready to make the jump or is the D line is the pass rush ready, ready to make the jump? You know, that's another one of those incompletes, you know, um, the first couple of games, you know, there were definitely situations where I thought they were making some improvement, especially against Washington. To me, it was no question that you were starting to see um, a little bit better of a rush. And that was without Freeney being in there. Um, you come back against Miami and, you know, Vic seems to be getting swallowed up. Miami's got kind of that prototypical huge offensive line, and he just didn't seem to be making any headway at all there. Um, you know, again, we, we never really saw Freeney in an extended role. So I, I'm probably more concerned about cornerback at this point. I think we've got the pieces at um, on the defensive line in that pass rush to, to make some noise. Adrian Claiborne looked really good. Uh, in the preseason, you know, he got dinged up towards the end there, but hopefully um, coming to this game, he's going to be ready to go. Um, so I think when you start, you talk about the different pieces, uh, I'm more optimistic with the pass rush. Um, again, with Freeney, with Claiborne, I think Big still got something there. You know, it's a question of how much, um, but the, the, the cornerback and the, the cornerback situation is troubling just because, unfortunately, probably the guy who, you know, by all measures improved the most, is hurt. I mean, not hurt, but he's going to be suspended the first four games. Um, and, and that's where we're going to be deficient. So, you know, depth-wise, we're hurting pretty big right there. Yeah, I guess we'll go come back and evaluate Jalen Collins, who's the guy you're referring to in a few weeks, and see how he responds from, you know, that suspension. And definitely got to see something from him being a third-round pick last season. Yeah, and that's the crazy part because everything – I mean, when you talk about – you take true fun out of it, I should say. You talk about guys making plays in the secondary. I heard more about him in preseason practice than anybody. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, he's going to miss, you know, a quarter of the season. Um, and the guys that got back there, you know, outside of him, just not not very experienced. You know, Alford, we, I think we all know Alford is generally better in the slot. So that's the ideal situation where you got him, Trufant, um and um, Collins back there, you know, kind of from that nickel standpoint, but for four games, which is a lot. Um, and with Neil going down, um, you're you're basically saying that, you know, the first four to five games, if Neil gets back by game six or so, you're not going to probably have your primary or your optimal defensive backfield back there. And that's the issue. 
Right, right. Actually, Collins was second round pick. I, my mistake there. So, hey, let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. It's halftime of the Carolina and Denver game right now. Carolina's up 17-7, kind of a live look. It may not be relevant when you hear this, but it's to kind of let you know where we are. <laughs> um, so let's let's move it on to, to the first game of the season, man. Uh, playing against Tampa Bay, the rising Bucks, man. They're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in the coming years with Jameis Winston and you know, strong defense and, and some good weapons on the outside with Mike Evans coming up, Doug Martin, some good pieces. And, you know, last season we saw – we played the Bucks and they showed, like I just said, they're, they're on the rise. At one game, um, I think it was a, it was a December game. I know I was in San Francisco. I just remember that game where Winston had the third and 20 and somehow he broke out looking like 2003 Vic and – <laughs> broke a tackle, spun around, and I'm like, come on. We, this guy is not a fleet of foot at all. But heading into this game with uh, Tampa Bay, what are some things that the Falcons need to really execute to not only contain Jameis but take advantage of that defense? You know, probably on a – you know, without Glooming doing the whole show, but this is probably this is a terrible matchup for the first week um, in the sense that you look at a couple of different things. One, um, I was at the game last year um, in the Dome, and Tampa Bay's defense wrecked all types of havoc on on, um, on Matt Ryan and the offense. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, Julio, you know, sprinting from one end of the other to save a touchdown on the interception, um, it could have got even more out of hand than it did. Um, so in saying that, Defensive personnel is not necessarily what we really need to go. Well, it is not ideal for Ryan at this point. They've got those linebackers, you know, David, those guys that um, can really drop back into those zones and, and get hands up and get hands on football. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. I think that the key will be the running game, which is kind of generic, but at the same time, I think the less that we have to depend on, you know, trying to convert third and five, third and seven, it's like any NFL team, the better. Um, offensively, my, you know, what I'm really concerned there is that, um, is Jameis and that playmaking, you know, like you alluded to, you know, he, the guy just has it, man. And he's in better, way better shape than he was last year. He was <laughs> yeah. running around doing those things. I mean, you looked at him at, if you saw, if anybody saw him, you know, during the game, uh, Monday night against, uh, Florida State Ole Miss when he was on the sideline, he, he was like a different person just from the space alone. So he's clearly, you know, taking some steps to get in better shape and that type of thing, which is just going to make him give him that ability to prolong plays even more, which he was great at um, even beforehand. So, um, you know, I think a ton of points, um, but you know, in the fourth quarter, you know that you know you got to have a concern that he's going to go down and make a drive. Probably the best thing we can do is is make sure that it comes down to a field goal because that that head case they got that kicker right now. <laughs> Um, it, he may be maybe our saving grace. So I think ultimately we just need to run the ball in a weird way, kind of play keep away or really control time of possession um, as much as you can, to, at least into the fourth quarter. And, you know, basically just hope you don't give him an opportunity to make a play at the end because, I mean, we've seen it in college and it's already extended to his pro career. Um, you, he's got enough time. He's going to make a drive and he's going to come up with something. He just has that it factor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you got a quarterback that sometimes can break the contain and and wreak havoc, it's just man, it's it's like I I alluded to Michael Vick earlier, but it's just 
I hate to I hate to has to be us sometimes. Even though, like I said, Jameis isn't that type of quarterback, but when he can do those type of things, and then they have dynamic weapons, you know, all on the field, it's going to be a, a good challenge for our defense. It'll really be a good test to say, all right, where do we gauge our defense this early in the season? How how will it trend toward the rest of the season? And that's the, that is the one difference, you know, that I didn't mention is that, um, you know, offensively they're probably going to look similar um, because the head coach is, you know, the former offensive coordinator, so they're probably not going to change a lot of things there. Defensively, we, we know it's, it's Mike Smith, and um, it will be interesting to see how he employs um, that young talent, you know, in that regard. When he was here, they were never really a super great attacking defense. Um, you know, most of the pass rush came from, um, one guy with John Abraham, not so much a system, so to speak. Um, it was more Abraham just being an elite pass rusher at the time, making plays on third down. Um, so it'll be interesting when he's got probably better personnel, just, you know, talent-wise, physically, how he employs that, or is it kind of the same style where they kind of sit back and, you know, try and get fortunate with plays. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes with a new defense coordinator. Um, I don't necessarily really know what to expect. Uh, from what you'll see in regular season because it could really go either way. Yeah, yeah, of course. Dirk Cutter is now the head coach. Mike Smith, defensive coordinator. So definitely Falcons ties on the coaching staff on that other side. And I'm sure they're definitely trying to beat us definitely twice a year and knock us out of any kind of contention. <laughs> so, you know, we talked briefly about that game. I guess, of course, our, our prediction is always for the Falcons to win. Uh, but in a bigger picture, let's kind of look at the season and uh, win-loss record, sacks leader, over-under uh, picks thrown by Matt Ryan as we kind of look at those three things. Of course, it's just me and you on tonight, so we'll predict those, but i definitely get the other Bird brothers to send, that, send their predictions in, and we'll kind of track those as the season goes on. So first off, uh, predict the, the win-loss record for the Falcons and a brief why do you think we'll be there, unfortunately, <laughs> or maybe fortunately, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing yeah, gloomy too. Right. I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be eight and eight. I think they'll be a better team towards the end than they are right now. Tough again when you got, you know, for the most part, your ideal starting lineup from a defensive standpoint or defensive secondary standpoint. That's at least the first, you know, five to six games, depending on Neil's injury, which really, you know, there's projections, but you just never know. Um, I think they're probably going to be a better overall team than they were last year. I think that next year on an eight and eight, um, and you, you probably don't make the playoffs just based off the way the NFC shaping, you know, shaping up right now. Um, Sacks leader, you know, for good or for bad, I think it's going to be Franey. You know, that that contract is probably, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was getting what a hundred thousand dollars a sack out in Arizona, which I'm, I'm pretty certain uh, he's probably got a similar deal here. Um, with, you know, what little we knew about the contract terms. Um, so I think it's Freeney, even though that's the obvious pick. Um, over, under on Matt Ryan interceptions. Um, I think you had said the, the 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 line at 15 and, oh, man. I'm going to go push. You know, I'm saying probably somewhere around 28 touchdowns and 15 picks, which puts you right at 8 and 8, you know, um, He's going to have one of those games where he just throws three or four and it just kind of is what it is. Um, and, you know, so um, so eight wins. I think Freddie definitely leads us in sacks. I think he gets double digits, so I think he's around 10 or 11. 
Um, and I think, uh, you know, Ryan is right around 15 picks. Um, hopefully that can be kind of offset it out of 30 to 15, um, but we'll see. I don't know if uh, any listeners will list, uh, watch Hard Knocks this season with the Rams, but uh, 15 picks, like Jeff Fisher says, uh, sounds like some 7-9 or 8-8 eight eight BS because, uh, of course, they go they go 500 every year. But uh, 15 picks, right. yeah, that don't, I don't think that'll, that'll have us winning too many games. But we shall see. We shall see. From my perspective, man, win, wins-wise, I think, man, I've been a Falcons fan my whole life, but at age 26, I'm finally – being a, a real realist, like I every every year up until now, I felt like yo the Falcons really have a chance to go eleven and five, twelve and four. But this year, I'm really seeing it like it is. I'm thinking seven and nine. You know, there are a few things on this team that that just uh, don't encourage me, at least defensively. Offense, I think it all depends on how far Matt Ryan can take us uh, from that perspective. So seven and nine with the win loss record, sacks leader. I'm going to go with with uh, Adrian Claiborne. I think he'll give us seven sacks. Um, I know we brought him in, and he was uh, kind of maybe one of his last shots last year after um, he left Tampa Bay. But I think Adrian Claiborne will lead the team in sacks with seven. And then uh, over and on the picks, I'll go over 17 for Matt Ryan. Like I said, he that's the guy that's going to win or lose games for us. So. I guess by that by that statement, it doesn't bowl well. But as I said, seventy nine. So it is what it is. Yeah, and, and you know, real quick, you know, part you know, if he throws over fifteen picks, part of that's going to be on the offensive coordinator um, because we all sat here and there were various games that we watched last year. San Francisco kind of stands out in my mind, especially um, to a certain degree, the Washington game, um, which I was at last year, and. You know, they get into these habits where he's throwing it 30, 40 times a game. For what reason, I have no clue. So, you know, in a perfect world, you run the football. We, we know what Freeman can do. Um, not just running the football, but also what he called 70 passes last year. So short, you know, short passes, which are obviously a little bit more safer. You know, if we can run the football, and I don't mean just can the offensive line block, which, you know, you can argue whether or not that was why we passed so much last year, but they weren't that good at pass blocking either, so take it for what it's worth. Um, if they can not make him throw the ball 30 and 40 times a game in situations where it doesn't feel like we need to, that would definitely help. So I don't necessarily always know that it's going to be on the quarterback. Part of it is um, the play calling, and, you know, I think Shanahan is, you know, it's probably got a big, bigger magnifying glass on him than Ryan actually does um, this year. So, they got to help Ryan. He doesn't need to throw it 40 times a game. That's just not his um, – that's not what he's made to do in the league. Um, so if he gets over 15 or is in that 17 range, um, we probably got a new offensive coordinator next year in some form or fashion. Now, now I kind of want to rebut on that because last year, of course, you say he was throwing 40 times, and we really didn't – there wasn't really much to throw to from a wide receiver. You know, outside of Julio, he used Tammy a lot and also – Devonte Freeman, but this year, you know, you sign Muhammad Sanu, Freeman is back, Julio is back, Tammy is back. You got Austin Hooper, who's you know supposed to be a good weapon. Uh, you know, as he as he progresses and and gets acclimated to the league, is that is maybe thirty thirty five times a game going to be okay with the guys he's throwing to? I mean, you know, that, that's a fair point. You're right. 
he was throwing it 30, 40 times a game. Um, and I, we're talking averages here, but, you know, I'm sure there were games where he threw 20 and, you know, mm-hmm. not as high. But it was definitely games, again, the San Francisco game to some degree. It felt like that third quarter of the Washington game where they were throwing the balls like, run the football. Why are we, you know, what are we doing here? But you're right. He, he wasn't throwing to a whole heck of a lot of anything last year that wasn't named Julio Jones and didn't have three other people, you know, three people kind of bracketing him. So you're right. There is an opportunity for um, – to he's throwing the more competent people. Uh, we hadn't talked about Audrey Robinson at all, no. um, which definitely, um, from a deep threat standpoint, um, has an opportunity. And then Gabriel as well. Those guys are both uh, can stretch the field. So you're right. He's probably got more weapons on the outside or potentially more weapons on the outside. Um, but at the same time, is what in my mind, what I'm talking about is, you know, throwing it a lot on drives where we're basically within our own 30 to 35 yard line and not running the ball in those situations where those are the ones where he really seems to struggle, where the defense is really clamping down and compressed in a certain area. Um, and last year, you're right, he just didn't have great targets. So maybe that does. Maybe that does bode well because he's got a little bit more this year. Um, so I think that's a fair point, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that, we discussed that. I guess we'll hear back from our fellow Bird Bros and from all of our uh, listeners out there as well. Before before we uh, kind of end it off, man, I just want to, like I said at the beginning, let everybody know this will be our one-year anniversary of starting the podcast. And it's just been, you know, us fellas getting together on weeknights or certain days of the week or weekends sometime and just talking up, talking about the Falcons, chopping it up. And uh, AD, man, give me something uh, you've uh, kind of appreciated or what you've learned about being a Falcons fans and, and about doing this podcast the past year. Or You know, the, the probably the biggest thing, um, you know, like you, Falcons fan for a really long time. And, you know, I remember that I, the podcast, and I'm hoping I don't get dude's name wrong. I think it was Justin. He was out in the Northwest out there in Seattle right? Uh, area. And it was cool just to be on with somebody out there who we probably had the same kind of general perspective about the Falcons, but his was a little bit different because he is out there and he's not kind of in the middle of it like we are. And he's not in the barbershops and things down here like uh, we are and were um, to have that. He's got a similar perspective on what the team is, but he's got a different uh, because he's not here. So it was really cool to talk to somebody who had a had a different view and wasn't kind of in the heart of it. And, you know, when when you with this team, you tend to get bogged down and it gets real negative real quick <laughs> um, when they aren't playing well. Yeah. Uh, so he had a real a different a different viewpoint. And you know, hopefully we can get him back on because he has some great insight as well. So it was cool to get a different perspective that isn't, you know, you know, I think down here at Falcons fans, it's like one of two things. It's Everything is bad, and that's all it is. And then you got the other side where they could be, you know, uh, four and twelve, and they still talking trash. So uh, it, it was cool to talk to somebody kind of outside of it. You know, uh, T is the same way up in Charlotte. It's a little bit different because he's up there um, in Cam Newton uh, headquarters. But um, so that that's been really cool. And then you know, um, just you know, interacting with people and people I know that get a chance to listen has been really cool to do that. So. Um, you know, the support and the listeners are much appreciated. Yes, yes, yeah. From my perspective, man, it's just been great to converse with you all every week, and I salute you all for hanging in there, mostly 
damn near every week the past uh past season and or most weeks. And I know, you know, we all have jobs and lives that we got to do every day, but for y'all to take some time out, I appreciate y'all and everybody listening to people who've emailed me, uh, checked out the Twitter page, Facebook. I've had all kind of different correspondence with people. I mean, I really appreciate y'all from a support standpoint. It, you know, even though we you know just doing this for free as a hobby, it still means a lot that our work isn't going in vain. And there are people out there who enjoy the Falcons like we do. So real quick, I just want to mention a few of those people who have been checking us out and definitely hit me up. You mentioned uh, Justin earlier, Justin Center out there in Washington, and he hit us up on Twitter a few times, even told us, hey, man, that, that last episode, y'all quality was terrible. And I was like, appreciate you for letting us know we're going to make that change. So even comments like that to let us know we got to step our game up. We got people who really enjoy listening. Also, guys who've always hit the Facebook page or even emailed me or hit me on my, uh, my website, uh, you got Leonard Waters always responding on Facebook. Asking some questions and everything. Appreciate that. Christian Jordan always hitting us up on Facebook. My man Juan Davis as well. Uh, we were collaborated on the Hawks podcast I did a few months back. So just appreciate. And anybody else who I miss, charge it to the to the mind, not the heart. I'll give you a shout out on the Twitter page or whatever. But you know, we appreciate you all. We're gonna keep it going. We may not be as frequent as we were last year. We got some, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody got a life, we got changes. I moved from Atlanta, so may not be as often, but we are definitely going to always be in there on the Twitter and social social media, you know, just bringing that Falcons talk and, and doing it like that. So, once yeah. again, go, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, you know, the show will be, you know, the format is going to be a little different um, with some of those changes, but I think um, we haven't talked a lot about it, but I think we're going to try and get in those kind of rapid responses on Sundays after games, you know, some little quick hitters you know, 10 or 15 minute shows on Sunday, you know, kind of hot takes on, on what we saw and what we did and didn't like. So um, we're still going to be out there for everybody. It, it may look a little bit different, but we're still going to try and get that content out for everybody. Yes, sir. Yeah. May not be, may just be two or three of us on. Sometimes maybe all four. Shout out to Trent and uh, AV. Couldn't make it on tonight, but you know, they're still the bird bros. But hey, everybody, thank you all for listening. Remember, you can always check us out on iTunes. Just search Bird Bros and subscribe, rate, send us a comment. Hit us on the Twitter page, Bird Bros, at Bird Bros, B-I-R-D-B-R-E-H-S. SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, we're, we're there. If you want to shoot us an email, birdbros at gmail.com. I'll definitely respond. And, you know, we'll be out here talking about the Falcons this season. Maybe we're better than 7, 9, 8, and 8 the way we predicted. I'm hoping so. But until next time, thanks for listening. Go Falcons. Peace.